It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hello, everyone. I'm Janice Dean, and you are listening to the Janice Dean Podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network. This is such an exciting project for me because radio is how I first started out in my career, believe it or not. My first job out of college was a weekend field reporter doing something called The Sun Scoop, where I would go to various different community events around my hometown of Ottawa, Canada, and broadcast live. So if you had a picnic or a car wash or a charity event, I would be there on location talking about the day's events and what the weather was like. People ask how I got my start doing TV weather, and I would say it kind of began with the sun scoop all those years ago. And later on during my career, I used to fill in for the local meteorologist when he would go on vacation. So here we are all these years later, and it's kind of a full circle moment. So what can you expect with this podcast? I see it as a longer version of the daily feature I do every day called The Dean's List, a good news story that focuses in on a person or something that deserves attention because it makes the world a better place. I wrote a book a few years ago called Make Your Own Sunshine, which was an extension of the Dean's List, featuring stories of wonderful people doing kind things for others. Things like buying a stranger a cup of coffee in line, to writing lunchbox jokes for your kids, or bringing groceries to an elderly neighbor. Sometimes it only takes a few seconds to turn a person's day around for the better. And that's exactly what my plan is for this podcast. I'm also hoping to hear your suggestions for interviews or segments via social media. I'm very active on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so that's one of the ways I hope to get all of you involved as well. Maybe you can nominate someone for the Dean's List or tell me about a wonderful thing that happened to you that you want to share with our audience, and I can't wait to hear all of your ideas. I also want to interview some of my favorite people you see on Fox, asking them questions that maybe no one has ever asked them. Secret talents or hobbies. So many people ask me about certain personalities at Fox when I'm on location, and I always say if I didn't love what I do and who I work with, I wouldn't be here for almost 20 years. I've got a whole list of Fox friends to talk to, and I know you will love them even more than you do seeing them on TV or hearing them on the radio. So without further ado, here is my interview with the one and only Brian Kilmeade. He's not only the co-host of Fox and Friends, host of the Brian Kilmeade Show on talk radio, and of course my buddy, but he is also the very first person to officially make my Dean's List on the Janice Dean Podcast. Brian Kilmeade, you made the Dean's List. How? This is my official podcast. Right. You are the first guest. Right. And what my plan is, is not only to interview people about good news stories, right. people doing good things for others. You want I'm, to hear bad news stories. I'm, no, I'm going to feature some of my friends right. from Fox to be on the Dean's List. But because you've been a good friend of mine for such a long time, right. I figured that you would be the first person to ask for an interview for my podcast, the Janice Dean podcast, and the fact that you have now made the Dean's list. 
Well, that's great. I do have my own sources because I'm a journalist by trade. Uh, I became number one when Steve Ducey turned you down, right? I mean, that. And let's let's be honest. Uh, I'm, I have no uh, response to that, really. <laughs> you are my official—listen, when I thought of this program and what I wanted to do to bring right. people— on the podcast is to get to know people behind the scenes. And the first person I thought of, and I'm not lying, I'm not just blowing sunshine up your skirt. I wanted to get to know you. You did. I did. Because you only know the TV me or the radio me. That's kind of true. Now you and I talk in the morning very early when we see each other, we're sort of like two ships passing in the night at 3 a.m. And can I say, I always feel bad when I say it, talk about the weather because with anyone else, I feel like that's. No, no, that's okay. It's okay coming from you. Okay. Because then you ask me other questions. Right. Like, you know. Do people always say that to you in the hall? Like, what's the weather? I'm going going to Wisconsin. Well, here's the thing. Now you're interviewing me and that's not supposed to be happening, but I will tell you this. The people that I know that are genuinely nice, and most people in this building are nice, uh, I don't mind giving them a forecast, but it's the ones I don't know, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, I'm going to my vacation home in South Carolina. Can right. you give me the forecast for next weekend? Really? Yeah. You have USA Today? Go that's, at your color map. Go get it yourself. It's happened. Well, well that's, that's when I usually now say, go to foxweather.com. Right. And that's what you say to Hammer. <laughs> Right. I mean, pretty much. Okay, this is hammer. off the rails. I'm supposed to be interviewing you, okay. and I knew this was going to happen because a lot of people don't know behind the scenes Brian Kilmeade. Right. And that's why I'm doing this because our listeners want to know you behind the scenes. I know you're at work most of the time. Yes. Yeah. So tell me all the shows that you. What time do you get in the morning? I. Uh, what time do I get into this building? Yes. I would say I am here three fifty. Okay. What time you, you beat me to the building. I do, but I'm on at 5 a.m. Right. You probably have more prep than I do. I have a lot of prep. Yeah. Do you do that in the car on your way in? Most valuable time. Really? Most valuable time. You don't get car in. sick because I can't look at my phone when I'm in the car. If I got car sick, I would have to move into the city because really? I would have no choice because it is the most valuable time because I'm cutting out sound bites, putting them here. You're uh, cutting the, the sound bites? No. I'm just cutting and pasting the verbates. Okay, got it. And then you put them on this side, and you, then you put in your category. You have like six categories. Then you go, okay, what's the most important? Then you watch in the news. You're like, okay, this clearly is the biggest deal. And then you watch. I always watch the repeat of World News Tonight on on uh, ABC with, with David Muir. Yep. And then I watch Fox and Friends first to see what they lead with. And and I kind of get the sense of where, what should happen with the radio show, where you're at right now. When do you turn your mind off of the news? I don't think I do. You don't. Right. Uh, because I don't think you can. How right. many times do you walk around and people go, oh, you hear about that shooting? Oh, did you hear about I cannot believe Biden did that. I can't believe Trump said that again. And you, What are you talking about? You take 45 minutes off and all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball. And you've been doing that for 26 years now. For news, yes. What did you do before this? Um, I was lonely. Uh, because I have very few friends. Stop it. Um, That's not true. I was, doing, I was doing all sports, new sport, TV, okay. yep. which was now defunct, owned by NBC and Cablevision, 24-hour sports news, which was ESPN, now made ESPN News, came out with that after, perhaps because of that, mm-hmm. but was able to do that and just do 100 stories a week. Do you miss the sports? Sometimes, but not really. I mean, the last thing I want to do, for example, I love the fact that the Yankees are... 52 and 23. It's a great story, right? But do I want to go cover a Yankee game four days a week 
where you walk into a locker room and they don't really want to talk to you. Where if but you it's go to, Brian Kilmeade. Of course they're going to want to talk to you. Right. Uh, I think it would be easier to walk in now as opposed to with sports phone when you're a 22 and have right. a microphone that you can't really afford a mic cube. And you walk in with your tape recorder and you ask um, Paul O'Neill what it felt like to hit three home runs. I've never asked a, a question to Paul O'Neill where he thought that was a good question. Who is that? Uh, Paul, that's a problem. Uh, Paul Neal is an outstanding outfielder for the Yankees. Okay. And I would say, for example, Derek Jeter would be somebody who answers every question, but never interestingly. Oh. Because he never wants to get caught. So he's not on the Dean's list next week. Right. But A-Rod is a favorite because he always would give more thoughtful, provocative answers. Interesting. Right? I mean, there's people that you interview, like, why does Lindsey Graham always on all these shows? Because he's put thought into things. He'll just say to you, I'm going to make news today. Huh. Like, you have athletes who are now told not to make news. So that's the part. Ah. They don't want to be the you person. You like to break news. I would like to do stuff that's interesting as opposed to what I'm going to do is take it one day at a time and we're going to hope to put a few, a few wins together. And if we go win a championship, we'll hope to win another. That doesn't do anything. But don't you think that that part of your life has led you to where you are now? Like you take some of those oh, yeah. experiences and go, you know what? If I didn't have that, I wouldn't be here. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you can go out into the field and you know this because you just left, you just were out doing uh, the hot dog eating contest or the horse racing or the dog show and you got to go do a feature on it. Okay, you go do a bunch of live hits. Okay, do a package. Mm-hmm. If you go do those other things, you know how much harder reporters work than anchors. Yep. Because reporters out in the field work like heck to get a 90 second or a two minute 30, in our case, maybe four and a half minute. Yep. And you got to knock it down. You got to see the bridge. You got to see the open. Do I need a stand up? Do I need a close? And how are these going to fit together? And this is interesting, but it's not going to help my package. You got to move on. You learn all that by getting paid way too little to work way too long. And you have an appreciation for all of those jobs as oh, well. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely do. And I think, like, I watch, um, let's say Mike Emanuel do a story on Brett Bear show. So Brett Bear's doing a show. You know Mike Emanuel was out in the field all day to knock it down to 97 or Mark Meredith uh, to 90 seconds to get it moving. But it sets you up for those seven-minute panel conversations, mm-hmm. kind of the way our, our channel works. Do you ever think about retiring? Never. Never? Never. You will do this until you can't do it anymore. I don't even think about not doing it anymore. I mean, it's not even, it doesn't even entertain wow. my mind. Does it, do you think about retiring? Sometimes. Really? Yeah. Um, but I don't think I could. I don't, I would right. have to be doing something still in the business, whether it's writing books. I mean, let's talk about that. I mean, you've ha- you've been able to do other things other than being the Fox and Friends co-host. You write books. You love history. Right. I'll tell you why I do that. Because... I can't even buy a hose right. Over the weekend, I, I had to buy a hose for my back because it's leaks. Right. And I realized you got to buy a new hose. They're like, why? It's leaking. It's been leaking for years. You should probably get a new hose. But I'm can't like, you patch it? No, because it's right where the spout and the hose meet. Okay. It's a male-female thing. You just screw it on. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm saying to myself, i got to get a new hose. But of course, the same hose is not there. They don't make the squirrely hose anymore. Okay. So I want to get a pocket hose because they've made it better. <laughs> I did not know they were working on the pocket hose, but for after a three-year downturn, they came back with a better hose. What's a pocket hose? A pocket hose is a small one, not made out of traditional rubber. Okay. It's small in cloth. Right. So, Does it still work well? Well, that's the problem. Okay. By the way, home, salute to Home Depot. It's really no problem returning things. They don't ask you a lot of questions. I'm prepared for everything. All right. Right, because I'm convinced they'll look at me and go, this has to be a user error. Go back and try it again. But they don't. They know that we're going to give it back to pocket hose executives who have pocket hoses.
Are they a sponsor on the Brian Kilmeade show? Hopefully soon, except for the one I bought. (laughs) Right. Didn't work. So what happens? It just streamed out. I mean, as much as it was going through the hose, it was going out the sides. Right. So I'm saying to myself, I went to go buy a hose. Yeah. Didn't work. Then the other day, my screen uh, was torn. And I'm like, we keep fixing the screen. We just get another screen. The screen on the hose. No, a screen on a sliding glass door. Oh, my So gosh. the simplest thing ever, to buy a hose, didn't work. Right. I had to, now I have to return to get another hose. I can't decide on what hose to get. So now I have no hose. So you don't have any hose to do I got to go back on a separate trip. <laughs> so then I just said, I'm going to get a screen door. Can you for get a an guy Anderson. just to do that for you? Mm. Why guy? <laughs> I mean, sorry, right. not gender specific. A girl could do that too. Right. I mean, although if I'm interviewing girls to pick up hoses for me, I don't think my wife Dawn would go, what's going on? I'm interviewing for people to do but small wait odd a jobs for I'm me. I'm glad that you brought up Dawn because we joke in the wintertime that Dawn is the one that clears the driveway. Right. With the snow. And why is that, Janice? Because the only person who can, can give me an alibi. Because you're not there. And because? She's better at it. And? She has more muscles. I'm snowed in oh. because you have told me you have to prepare to spend the night because you will not be at work the oh, next so day. So I'm your alibi. <laughs> You're for, I actually clip your newsreels and say, listen, it doesn't pay for me to go home. There's next chance I can't get back. Right. But do you think that Dawn might take over the hose duties? If I, if I explain this story to her, yeah. she will say, I told you, why don't you just let me do it? Okay. Let's talk about Dawn. How did you meet her? Uh, high school. Yeah. Wow. High school sweethearts? Mm. Oh. Not really. What happened? Knew a little bit, uh, but knew, uh, got, got to know her better in college. Okay. Separate colleges, but right. in on Long Island. Did she know of you? Of course. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what know. do you mean, of course? No, I mean- like, Were you like the popular was, guy? Tell me about you in high school. I think I was more popular in sixth grade. I peaked. And then I had a few down years, and then I came back strong at the end. <laughs> What was it about you in sixth grade? Like, what would your mom tell me about you? I would think the size of my cheeks. No. I think they were extraordinary. Stop it. Right. Were you like like the funny guy in class? I was very serious in class, but I also had a sense of humor. Okay. I know you find that hard to believe. Uh, no, I don't. What about your other brothers? Uh, what about them? So what's the hierarchy? How does it go? Like, who's in line first? Who's the first? Oh, who's the oldest? Yes. All right. Hierarchy. What is this? It's a monarchy, and it's a <laughs> the kill me and family. right. And if you and if you're not going to be king, you're asked to leave the palace. Well, you, you're runner up at some right, point. Right. Right. Uh, it's my brother Jim, then me, then my brother Steve. And you guys are close, right? Semi. Yeah. Do you still yeah. live in the neighbor same neighborhood? Uh, Long Island. Okay. And which is, if people listening around the country, around the world, yeah, it's an island. It could be <laughs> the size. Could be the fifteenth largest market. Right. If it was on its own. People which, don't realize that. Why about, did we not fight for our freedom from New York State? I agree. I would have to agree with that. And, we're, and be our own kingdom. Now, here we are. Okay, so when did you and Don start dating? Each other? Yes. Um, probably sophomore year in college. Okay. Junior year. Did you know that she was the one? I thought she was more than likely going to be the one. But okay. I was remarkably under, I had a remarkably underfinanced life. How did you woo her? Um, just by being me, I'm, I'm hopelessly romantic. You are? No, you, right. I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, I mean, what is it? Why is she so great for Brian Kilmeade? Why do you, what makes it work with so you So you make it sound like it's all about me. <laughs> right. This is all about you. But don't you think that people, that's when people get in trouble in relationships, they're looking for something to make them feel better. Hmm. And that's very selfish. It is very selfish. Right. 
But you guys are, I mean, you're a team and you've got kids and this is a hard job for you to do. And you have to have, like, I know with Actually, Sean, I think it's easy. Why? I think because to be a morning show host is the best thing you could do in television. Mm-hmm. Because you could get home, you put in six hours before people literally wake up. Right. And then you could be home by noon. You've already put in eight hours, let alone the travel time. You could be there to pick them up at school at 2.30, 3 o'clock and coach. So these 9 to 5 parents or 8 to 4, whatever it is, they were really up against it because you're not able to get there a lot of times. Yeah. But the problem is you can't party during the week, which I think loses a lot of its luster in your 30s and 40s. That's a big deal, I think. So so I just think what we have is we're not going to live a long time. We don't sleep enough, right? We were, we're, we're operating with only half our brain. Is she up with you in the morning too? Yes. She makes she, me breakfast every day. No. No, absolutely not. She doesn't even know I'm up or when I'm out. Of course not. She's got to get up with me and make <laughs> well, me breakfast. Well, I don't know. Somebody might. Right. Who would make me breakfast? I'm not sure. Maybe she'll leave it out for you, like so, in the fridge. So right now, I'm doing this thing where I don't eat till noon. Oh my. What? That is insane. I know. Uh, Are you like hungry right now? I'm a little bit hungry. Yeah. But I would, the other thing I would add is- Do you have, when co- I was, when you have I was, coffee though? I do. Okay. And the other thing I would add is this. I have. I used to have the powdered stuff. So it's powdered healthy drinks. So I'm mixing things. So I don't use my teeth until one o'clock. You're already like an old person. Right. No, I'm kidding. I could take them out. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Should I get gingivitis? I'm not going to panic. Stop it. Okay. So you don't eat. What do you eat after the show? I will have- for example, I, I think what's underappreciated is we can now eat in the building. Yes. We have a, on the third floor. It's excellent. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that they, they have a soup of the day, and I'll accept it three times a week. Um, I will also see a special there once a week. Okay. Besides that, I got to give credit to Fox. They went for sushi. A lot of people would say, I need a full-time sushi. I'm like, can you just, I like when I could see people make it. But it's good sushi, I'm not going to lie. great sushi. The third floor. Because it's hard to imagine your own work poisoning you with bad fish. That's not good. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell me about your kids. Um, Brian just finished the season of the USFL. Looks like he's going to continue there. Wow. Brand, brand new league, AAA of uh, football. Uh, we had Skip Holtz on on this day that we record this, who is Lou Holtz's son, yep. who won the first championship. And what happens is with these new leagues, you get to do everything, big and small jobs. I mean, everything from, and he's working with this guy named Daryl Johnston, who won four Super Bowls with the Cowboys, and he's blue collaring it. No job's too small for him. This guy's a four-time Super Bowl winner, All-American, borderline Hall of Famer, and to be able to work with him was was fantastic. He also worked at the NFL and with the Jaguars. Did he do this all on his own, or did absolutely? You have- wow. Yeah, he got an internship at the NFL, um, and then was able to go back to the next year. Was able to use that experience to get the Jaguars during the pandemic, and then in between, um, then he got was able to hook up with the XFL, his first job out of college. Very proud of your son, Brian. Third uh, third person out of the XFL was going on a roll until the pandemic hit. They could not last two weeks, despite Vince McMahon's multi-millions, which is bizarre. They could not last two weeks without any fans. Everybody gets fired. Wow. So that kind of sucked. That's his first job. 
out of college. But he's doing well now. I think he's doing well. He's going to go to law school, I think, in the fall. Oh, my goodness. But he's got to find a way to do it with the USFL, so he's going to figure it out. Okay. Kirsten's going to be a senior in high school, wants to be a teacher. Yep. 4-0 last semester. Oh. So she works really hard. She's a soccer player, college soccer player. You coach her no, team. no. I coached her when she was younger, but Brian pretty much from A to Z, from three on. Okay. We, we, I don't know if you found this with your kids, but now it's all professional coaches. So they have, even though you might have a parent that played for the Yankees, yeah. they will, well, baseball's a bad example, but uh, most other sports. You might have a parent that played on the world team or played at Duke. They'd rather pay a 22-year-old to coach your kid to get the parents out of it. Oh, Plus, it's becoming more money-making thing than ever before. Well, that's kind of so, sad. It is, but I think it's also a good story in that it gets parents out of it so you don't have favoritism or okay. so a parent being too good or too easy on your yep. kid. But I also think it wipes out the sense that the parents are in it together. So the parents, instead of like bonding with other parents, they look at it almost like that kid's a mercenary. If this kid, if this coach doesn't play my kid, I'm going to move him to somebody else. Mm. I'm paying that guy. How dare he not play my son or daughter? Mm -hmm. So it really changes the dynamic and it wipes out the thing called team. Yeah. And more towards, yeah, I had fun, but the fun was always after the game. You hang out with the players. You remember that. I think the people got away from that. And that's why most people, most kids quit. I think two-thirds quit by ninth grade. But my other other daughter plays in college, too. They played against each other this year. They're in the Liberty Conference. I don't want to go over the colleges they're at, but they're in the Liberty Conference uh, in the upstate New York. Did you play sports, too, as a kid? Played college, right? uh, Played through college. uh, Soccer. Soccer. Yep. How do you think that you think it's important for kids to play a sport or several sports? Well, listen, um, I think both. If they want to play, if they're athletic and they can play three sports, I think as long as they can, they should play three, four sports as Mm -hmm. much as possible. And then after a while, you notice certain players making advances because you're going to play basketball when they go to play lacrosse. You Mm -hmm. know, so there might be a choice. But I just think the benefits are enormous because – through life, when the life gets turbulent, well, it reminds me of the time I was benched. When life gets a little bit tough, well, that's because I remember what it was like having to do my homework, practice, and have a coach who was unappreciative. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the life is, I think sports is life in a very uh, condensed way. Mm-hmm. You play, you compete, somebody else is subjected to you, judging you on a regular basis, how you get along with other people that are not like you. Mm-hmm. One thing about soccer is why I find myself remarkably tolerant. I never thought anything if somebody was Hispanic, black, um, uh, Israeli, because soccer is an international sport. I mean, I was like, okay, if that guy's Somali, he's probably a forward. If this guy's Greek, he's probably a back. And I never thought anything of it. And when people start saying like lacrosse or other sports that are maybe more black or white, I was never jarred by it. I think soccer is an underappreciated thing because it's so international. When do you have time for your kids and your family? Um, When they can catch up with me. No, I mean, now that they're older. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit ahead of you. Um, It's like finding time for each other around their jobs, their school. Um, Brian was away four and a half months where uh, you... In Birmingham, yeah, it's which is a destination spot for most people who are vacationing. Not yet, I'm kidding. Uh, but it's a, it's an up and coming uh, city. How do you keep in touch with them? Are they always texting you, emailing well, just, you? Well, Brian just got back yesterday. Okay, and then um, we, we text constantly, text up to date. Is there always a family vacation you go on? It was until we got a house in Florida, and now we're looking to con, uh, consolidate there. Okay, that's good. But you get to see because uh, again, I'm about five years ahead of you, seven years ahead of you. Yep. You'll see it's a little bit harder to 
to negotiate things mm-hmm. as opposed to let's find a place. Now it's like, let's find a place when they're not working, when they're not at school, when they're not committed to work that they could get off and better yet that want to go. Yeah. What do you think your parents did for you that instilled the person you are today? Um, that's a good question. I just thought they would do uh, good examples. My dad died when I was in ninth grade. But it's pretty much, I just think that you are responsible for your own success and happiness. And I just think that you got to take personal responsibility for your life. Mm-hmm. When you start, bl- it's it's natural to blame people. I'm in traffic. I can't believe that person delayed me for two hours. Now I'm stuck in traffic. Okay. But blaming for your life, blaming for the job you don't get, the school you don't get into, the team you don't make, that is a dead end in life. I think the sooner you take responsibility for your own life, I think the better off you are because mm-hmm. then you're competing on your own. I always find that when I'm around people and they're blaming people about how they were born, how much money they had, what their parents did, I'm like, that person's not going anywhere. And I just think you just have to, if you earn something, you appreciate it more because you know what it's like not to have it. Mm-hmm. What do you tell kids in broadcasting? What's the best piece of advice for them or in any industry? Um, I would say in your 20, you got to intern. You got to understand what you like and what you see. People say, I want to be a news writer. Okay, what's that like? Well, I saw and I read. No. What's it like? Have you talked to them? So I just think there's a lot of people next door to you who are models. I'm an insurance agent. I own my own insurance company. I own a car dealership. I'm a mechanic. I do this. I'm a plumber. What do you have a chance to do? You might not think you want to do this. Did you talk to them? Did you find out how many hours they put in? Did you find out how much vacation time they get? Are they really in their own business? So I just think that if you spend your life aggressively pursuing what you do and don't like, that's more than likely you're going to end up as successful. What's the first job you ever had? My first job washing dishes at a place where they put you in the back. You literally wash dishes. There was like one thing with a sprayer. And then I became a bus person at this place called My Pie. Mm-hmm. So I go, great, I'm moving up. And I'm like wondering, I'm like... Why, why is it, I'm working with three guys, but why is one guy always in the back? Then finally they told me, they didn't tell me this till I started. Oh, you have to do 90 minutes washing dishes. And my pie was deep dish pizza. Okay. So do you know what it's like washing in deep grease pizza pans? Wow. And then going out and waitering on people full of grease and grime. Yeah. I don't know whose business model this was, <laughs> but I was feeling like I was duped into getting this job. But again, you work for tips. Yep. Did you get a lot of tips? I think I was pretty good. I was number one Bennigan's. I was on there way too long. What? You were number one at Bennigan's? No, I said my number one job as a waiter was Bennigan's. I was there for like six years. Wow. Yeah. What does that teach you about the world? Consolidating steps. Number one, people like fried food. <laughs> they do. And the Monte Cristo, it was magic. The first time I ever saw a deep dish. So they would take this, they would take this batter-filled ham and cheese and put it into the oil and it would disappear and then rise. Now, did you eat it back then? Because you don't eat that stuff now. Right. I would stay away from that because it should comes up with a with a palette of Stridex pads because <laughs> I realize it's not good for your skin or your cholesterol. Right. Uh, you're a patriotic person. Right. Yes. How do you feel about what's happening right now in the country? It's unbelievable. I think it's almost comically stupid. I'm like, it's like rooting against your own team. I mean, it's so detrimental. I think people are going to come out of it and understand it. And I think for people who may be taken it for granted in the past, now when you have to say, I don't think it's a good idea to take Jefferson off out of um, oh. William and Mary where he went to college, mm-hmm. or if you're going to protest or spray red on Jefferson's statue, 
uh, at the University of Virginia, I'm thinking to yourself, maybe you want to pick another university. Yeah. So I think people are wising up to it. And I think the idiocy is 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 in the backstretch. Have we ever been in a position like this before where we've been so divided? I would think the Civil War takes precedence. Right. Okay. Um, I think they're probably in the past. I think when people were not in the middle of a world war, people have a chance to look around and say, you know, why am I not happy? Why don't I achieve this? And then you have a group of people who are evidently academics or intellects that feel as though America is too rah-rah, needs to reconsider how we were founded. When you go back in time, almost every land was conquered. The history of human beings and civilization, does anyone take, we should all take world history before we take American history. I agree. I think you have to know history very well uh, to understand and appreciate where we are right now. Right. So people might say, Warren, Terry, you guys overreacted. You know, it was just one one strike and you know, City is bad, but you guys fought for like 20. Okay, let's go back to 9-11. Yep. And George Bush writes this book called Decision Points. He goes, you want to judge me now in 2008? Go back to 9-11. This is what we know. This is what we have to know. Go back to 1814 or the Trail of Tears and say, that was terrible. You had Indians relocate. All right, just go back to what led to that bad decision to have Indians relocate to Oklahoma. Well, at that time, the big thing was manifest destiny and moving out. And there was problems with certain Indian tribes. And everybody from from the founders to Lincoln had American Indian issues at the foundation. Today, it seems comical. Indians are a problem. They just own casinos. That's presentism. Mm-hmm. That they don't casinos. That's because of the conflicts that we had from when we landed, but they weren't populating all of North America. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Do you think the pendulum is, has swung far out and we're going to get back into the center at some point? I do. When I, do you think I, that's going to happen? I think it's happening. Yeah? I do think it's happening. I mean, um, I think that people are going to start electing people that like the country. I think ultimately this whole wokeism is, is boomerang because – it's boomeranging on the people that started it. Mm-hmm. The Al Frankens of the world, Hollywood celebrities, mm. they're getting caught in the Me Too scandals. You, know, you have um, uh, James Franco and all these others, these cutting edge liberal thinkers who next find out, well, there's a lot of women don't like the way they acted. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of politicians who don't like the way Al Franken acted. You know, th- they're seeing all these people that were so condemning and condescending to the so-called uh, Republicans and dismissive and conservatives now they look and go. Wait a second, living by your rules doesn't really work out too way and when it, too well. And I look at Bill Bill Maher on Friday nights, as liberal as it gets, as much as he hates Fox News, I'm sure it doesn't do him to impress me. But he looks around and says, "This is insane." Yeah, and that's what I think gives me gives me hope. I hope so. And Harold Ford's of the world. Yeah. What about social media? It, are are we going to just continue this uh, this behavior of like not looking at each other and having discussions anymore? I think there's a, there's an etiquette built into it. I mean, for example, I remember the yesterday on on Monday, I felt bad because I had to shoot electronically your menu. So we're all looking at our phones, right. we're looking at the menu. Yeah. That was acceptable. I go, "Wait, I hope people looking at me now are not saying these people don't talk to each other." Where I think 5 years ago I couldn't care less. Don't you think people are realizing kind of rude. There's only three of us here and I keep looking at my phone. Yes. I almost feel like when I take out my phone with people now, I got to go, listen, I just got to handle this as opposed to the way we used to do it. It's like, oh, I got a text message. Let me handle it. <laughs> so I think that there's, I think the etiquette's coming to it. I also think that the new generation can see how they're being manipulated 
And I think they're starting to push back. The 25s to 28-year-olds who came into this whole environment, mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a chance to be a pushback. Now, you used to do comedy as well. Mm-hmm. Do you miss that? I miss to see how good I could have been. Really? I really? Yeah. I wanted to see if I, I mean, there were times when I did really good and there was times when I did really bad, mm-hmm. but I was pushing it sports, news, and comedy at the same time. And radio fill in there whenever, mostly sports radio. And I want to see who's going to go first. But the thing is, you never stop because there's always a place to do stand-up. And there's always something game to go cover. So you really have an opportunity to do things on your own. So with stand-up, I'm like, oh, I wonder what I could do in that. Um, But when the morning show makes it absolutely impossible and then Fox makes it illegal. I mean, Greg Gutfeld told me that he asked. And he's like, no, they said, absolutely not. Can you go on stage? Oh, wow. Something I, for you to keep in mind, because you do it too. I did the one time, the the best. The and you won, right? Funniest comedy reporter yeah. a few years ago. I did. And it was there was something about that that I feel like everyone should experience that once, where you have to get a set, yeah. go up there in front of people and make them laugh. Well, and one set could be great one day and then the next one they're booing you. You just don't know what the audience reaction is going to be. Well, number one, I, if you go up there not to do it for a living, like I did it just to get better at memorizing and what could be better than being yourself on stage. Yeah. And then what I said is I need a structure. You don't just write a joke. For me anyway, I'm not Eddie Murphy. So I took a class. And I took uh, 12 weeks or eight weeks, whatever it was. But at the end, what I liked about it, there'll be a performance. So I knew, and you walk up there in the beginning, they go, okay, write down things you hate. Why? Write down things you like. Why? Write down things to describe yourself. Why? And then you just, boom. I'm like very methodical. And then find the humor, but I need a structure to it. A lot of the artists, if you approach like an artist, you're unorganized. You sleep till noon around two. You feel like writing. Maybe you're not going to write. Maybe you write for two straight days. I'm not like that. I'm like, I'm going to write from this time to this time. And I'm going to try to meet from this time to this time. And you're going to create from this time. And then you're going to go up on these days. But I had to have some structure to it. But while the freedom to go up, because the early time, which is so ironic about being doing stand-up, the time in which you're skilled enough to entertain anybody, you usually have a good compliant audience. But the time when you're not really good enough to entertain anybody, mm. you're at the diner at 6 o'clock, you're in a sports bar or, or a music bar at 6.30 because they go, you better bring three people. And even though there's no stage and no one's paying attention to you, you got to go do it. It really tests you um, because the worst venues are the early venues. Yeah. And there is something so special about making somebody laugh. Right. Right? Even if it's at you. Like, to me, I'm never comfortable with the picking uh, picking on people. I don't, I'd much rather be the subject of it. Yeah. That's what the Gutfell thing. When Gutfell goes after me, I kind of like it. And I'm comfortable with that because I do not want to be the bully. I have to say one of my favorite parts of Fox and Friends is when I'm doing the weather and I say something to you and I make you laugh. Like that to me is just like a moment where I'm like, yeah, I got him to laugh. Right. It's so great. Because you know what's so hard? They're always wrapping us. Yeah, that's true. I mean, from the time they're like, okay, toss yeah, you have 10 seconds. quickly. Yeah. Uh, just go right out to her. <laughs> uh, serious story. Or, and I'm like, uh, that's okay, though. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Stay right there. We'll have more of this story coming up. Give me a few moments when you were on television, you were like, this is one of the most important minutes in my life right Mm. now. That's a tough one. I mean, I remember being on a totally different field, but we were on on the air when 9-11 happened, when those tanks were rolling into Iraq, you literally had a camera shooting the, uh, the, the tanks rolling through. That was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I also thought, 
you know, the day after Trump won was pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Being on the air constantly during the election mess with with uh, Bush. I mean, you literally one day you toss out oh, the, the reporter chats. and the hanging sheds. You did not know what they were going to say. Who's going to be the next president? Wow! And then hearing all this information getting in your ear. Don't believe that. Don't don't declare anything. There's still more votes to count. That was pretty cool. And well, I just think every time's important. I guess it's. At the at the moment, I can't really think of a time where it's not important. What about the pandemic? Well, I found that unbelievably frustrating because we weren't getting correct information. They were keeping people apart, people we didn't know and later would not trust, were telling us and describing every element of our lives. I mean, hunting around after you do the show for a, just a Starbucks. Yeah. And then if, you know, you're not allowed to go in. I really felt as though that was uh, – that was – it was personally extremely frustrating period. Do you think we'll ever get, you know, sort of a an investigation or a, a 9-11 style hearing on what happened with the states that really screwed up? Wow. I don't think so. You don't. I don't. I mean, I think there might be areas like the area that you focused on with the nursing homes. Absolutely. But overall... Do you really think we're going to find out that the lockdowns were too overwhelming, that we were protecting the wrong people? But what about uh, where the virus came from? Oh, I th- I think we got as close as we're going to get. I mean, I can't see them. I could see them, you know, the Jim Jordans of the world getting control of the house and moving it forward. And I could see that happening to a degree. But I feel as though we all know it came from a lab at this point. Mm. And we just want to stop the next one. I think it's unbelievable. Do you know that China's shutting down another major city? Like right now, again, because they're into the zero COVID thing. I think the thought of it being intentional is so ill thought of if they did do it intentional because they're still suffering from it. So there's no repercussions for something like this. It's unbelievable. But why why don't they even have worldwide condemnation is the crazy thing. Right. Because everyone's been bought off. Yeah. Are you an optimistic person? I am. But you know, I find it unbelievable that all optimistic people have to tell you they are, as <laughs> if they're qualified. Hi, I'm optimistic. So what I'm about to tell you is a pure fairy tale, right? <laughs> it's based on nothing uh, because I'm optimistic and I've removed all doubt. But you believe in this country. You believe in the American dream. You believe all of that. Of course. And I just think the people that don't believe in it are the ones that don't want to compete. Mm-hmm. Go compete. I just think you got to teach people to compete because... You got to factor this within. You got to compete, but don't be afraid of losing. As soon as you're not afraid of losing, you'll feel a lot more free to compete. But for people who don't want to lose, uh, they don't want to. It's easy to sit on the sidelines and say it's not fair. Yeah. So just understand that you won't win every time. And the minute you lose and you survive, you realize, let me go try something else. And life's a big university. When did you come up with the expression, put your clothes on? Um, please get dressed. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Because my image is people in the morning, yeah, they'd have to get up a normal time, unlike us, right? Are just getting dressed. So I just want to urge them: wake up, please get dressed. So when that's my fr- image on them doing this. You see those people getting dressed as they're watching. I, you? I see those people in the process of getting dressed. Who are those people? I think they're everybody. Because I don't think anyone like very hard unless you're retired to watch a morning show. You're usually doing a million things. So you're listening. Mm-hmm. So I'm like telling you guys: wake up. Please get dressed. When did you first say that? I don't know. It's. Do you think it's that brilliant that I should remember the moment? No, or do you I think it's just very. It's, it's very, very you, right? Anybody I, else that says that, I it's think like, you can't say that. Right, yeah, I can't tell anyone to please get dressed. 
I'm the only one who can tell that. Exactly. And right, or else I get a nickel. I would think about seven years ago, I started telling the please get dressed. Yeah. And then the other one is stay within yourself. That's right. The I haven't play- heard you say that in a while. Right, because um, I think we end the show. It, it's end the show. I'm going to go out of my way to get, bring that back a little bit because I don't want people doing things they're not capable of doing. Stay within yourself is a very sort of, it's a very zen thing. Do you know what I mean? I do. Right. Be play, yourself. Play your game. Yeah, yeah, play your game. Don't try to be somebody else. Stay within yourself. Don't yeah. try to do too Do you much. tell your kids that? Yes, they don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, think, I think Ainsley had the best line when she said to me, because she's uh, relentlessly honest. She goes, what's that dumb thing you say at the end of the show each time that makes no sense? I go, okay. That's pretty much the way that my kids feel. But I think that's important to point out, too, is that the people that you see on TV are, are really us. That's us. No, no. People you see on Fox. Hmm. That's one thing Fox has. The better or worse, people on Fox are themselves. Oh, you don't, I don't like them on TV. Oh, you don't like them in real life. <laughs> so, because one thing Fox does pretty effectively is say, "Be yourself." Yeah. And if you're not, if it's out, if that's not working out, you don't get renewed. Yeah. You can see yourself doing this for 20, 30, 40 years. Unless they ask me uh, to come see me, and they say, "Bring your Fox manual with you, your playbook," and then you hand it in because that's how they cut you in football. Yeah, they say uh, they need to see the coach needs to see you. Bring your playbook. You love your dogs too. I do because I cannot. My kids do not want me to publicize them. Yes, and they say if you could put some personal stuff up there, and the dogs have no choice. That's tough. That's right. a tough thing because you want people to know you, but you also want to remain private. Right. Uh, the problem is too. There's a lot of people that know too much, and then all of a sudden you get you know you get the threats and the other people, and you're like, it's probably not a good idea for them to keep mentioning where you live. I remember I used to say, "Hey, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to Montauk," <laughs> and if I know so many cops, and so do you. Go. Are you nuts? <laughs> Don't ever say you're going on vacation because your house is open, right. you idiot. That's a good point. Right. And so now I just tell, now I don't even tell my friends I'm going on vacation. You know what I love? A couple of uh, summers ago, we had people on that were barbecuing that lived in your neighborhood. And I could tell you were a good neighbor. Right. Because you know what happened? Oh, I'm a good neighbor. You are. Right. Uh, But I I tell you what happened. We do this cook off. I'm like, I'm not, I grill, but I don't grill for, I don't grill for quality. I do for quantity. I do for speed. So people want to eat. I know how to do it. But people don't go, wow, I, I just could savor this burger. Like Pete Hegseth's wins with a hamburger. We know the whole oh, thing yeah. is fixed. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's who the sexiest is instead of who the best cook is. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. He knows that too. I think he does. So yeah. I brought my friends in from home who do take great pride in cooking. They go fish. They will make the fish. They'll make it all night. They'll they'd even do the dishes. So I said, if you're going to do a competition that I'm not good at, outside dancing... Uh, which I'd also bring a profession. My friend, I got—I don't have any friends that are good dancers, uh, but I brought in my two best cooks in the neighborhood. Yeah, and the fact that they lost—they never ever—they're not over it. They're not over it. They bring no. it up all the time. Right, they bring it up all the time. They, they're waiting for a rematch. But see, you say you're not a good dancer, but how do you know that about yourself? I know you got to know what you're good at. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm I'm dancing like I'm a hose shopper. Right, it doesn't. It doesn't come instinctive, and I go back to that line that Brad Eldridge made famous: "I never met a dance floor that did me any good." It's good, right? And Thank we came you. full circle back to the hoses. Do we right. know what what's going to happen with that? I'm going to leave the pocket hose, and I'm going to go for something else. We could do a segment on that on Fox and Friends, right? But if you bring a pocket hose on the national show, I could hurt a company. That's <laughs> that's what I began to realize. Well, I remember I had this one hotel. And I was staying in South Jersey in this hotel. I never thought they'd be watching. And I said, hmm, 
Shouldn't say the name. I say when I'm when you're tired of luxury, this is the perfect hotel for you. Because I remember, not only was it a horrible hotel, right? I asked for an extra bed. When I got in there, the room was so small, the whole room was bed. So you had to walk over the bed to use the bathroom. And I could not believe that this was their idea of an extra bed. I'm like, could you have got me another room? And then the worst things that could happen to a place you're going to bed, the, the bathroom floods. So no one will pick up when I call downstairs. So when I go downstairs, she goes, oh, yeah, your bathroom's a problem. I can handle that. She turns around, hands me a plunger, and told me to plunge the, the toilet. Did you say, do you know who I am? No. I uh, never would say that, but I did bring it up on the five yeah. <laughs> and I ruined their, I had no idea that they'd be watching, but it evidently was a well-known hotel oh, and they were no. not happy. I can't tell you. But that's what makes you, you. What are, is one of the most embarrassing things you've done on television? Okay. I did two things. Okay. Number one, Ronnie Millsap is blind Oh. and I want to congratulate him on his... Uh, gold record, and he wanted it done on because he loved our show. And I just sat there with my hand out, and he didn't put his hand on. I grabbed his hand and I shook it, and they thought that was the wrong thing. Another time, I walked. I'm sure out, he was okay with that, though. And this is why I really respect your job so much. I go outside, and they go, Brian, just talk to the people outside. That's before I, it was after 9/11, but it was still a time in which we could just wing it. Yeah. Now I go outside and I see these two girls, and they're twins. And one girl's got long hair, one's got short hair. And I go, okay, who got their hair cut? Who's growing their hair out? And she's like, I got cancer. So right on air, I'm like, oh, are you okay? She goes, yeah, I hope so. Oh. So I didn't, there's really no recovering from that. Oh, but you didn't But you know. understand that. I, I mean, do, you, every I mean, moment. Every day, you don't know anything these people are going to say back. You don't. Sometimes you're like, is that your daughter or your right. wife? Or One time I, I'm in Escanaba, we're on remote, and I asked, some, I asked this uh, woman on crutches, I said, oh, what happened to your leg? She, and I'm thinking that she turned her ankle, and she's like, I'm handicapped. Oh. So, <laughs> but you are, know what? It's you, though, and I think, you know, people forgive that. And, that, mm. and the, No, they do. Come on. Well, it's embarrassing, though. Yeah. Right? You asked me for embarrassing. I'm not saying I didn't recover from it, right. but it is embarrassing. But, okay, so uh, favorite guest that you've had on? Uh, favorite guest? Probably Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh I thought he was really cool when he was having fun. Um, the most, the coolest one is Sylvester Stallone. And I would say the, Why was funniest, he cool? the funniest one in uh, Sylvester Stallone. He yeah. just was Rocky. so deprecate, so de- self-deprecating. Yeah. And a couple of things, he, he walked up to me. And I know people do that to manipulate me, but I'm, I'm manipulated. He said to me, I just got approached. We do the interview and he said, do you have a second? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I'm running to another. There's another action hero I'm waiting for. Will Smith needs to speak to me on the street. So I go, no, yeah, I guess I have a second. I'll miss that train. And he said, um, I got approached to do a perspective of Apollo's son, a creed, where I would be a supporting role. I wouldn't write the script or anything. Would you? What do you think about that? I go, Creed's son, like Apollo Creed's son? He asked you that? Yeah. Now, I'm sure he knew the answer already, but for him to ask me ahead of time, and he looked like he was interested in your answer. He did. And I can't tell the difference. Like, you look like you're interested. I'm very interested. Okay, I wouldn't pick you to do this. Favorite food. Right. Favorite food. Let me just tell you the funniest guy is okay. Craig, oh, Craig Ferguson. He's amazing. Uh, favorite food would be a turkey burger. No, wait. Go back to Craig Ferguson. Why? I just, I didn't really know. I knew he was on a sitcom I didn't watch. And I never saw a guy visually work a room from the audio guy to the, the camera guy. And I go. This is unbelievable. 
And he had the place roaring where the control room said four minutes. I think we went like 12. Wow. And I just listened to him. I don't even know what my questions were, but I just I saw that this guy's a genius. Yeah. I know he was a drinker and a womanizer for a while. Whatever it did, it left him funny. Oh. Uh, and he's still there. But in the late night, I don't even know, he used to ad lib his monologue. That's insane. So, yeah, it was insane. That's when outside James Corden, late night TV is totally dead. Yes, I would agree. Outside Greg. But also because it's very political now. It's a joke. Yeah. Favorite food? Yeah, that's not a great question, but I would say a turkey burger. A turkey burger? Yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite drink? Right now it's Corona. Really? Right, yeah. I don't feel I'm old enough to have mixed drinks. Really? Um, right. Or wear sunglasses. Uh, I just have, think those I've are never much, seen you wear sunglasses. I just think I'm, it's people I'm trying to put on an air. I mean, but you have to protect your eyes sometimes. But my eyes are perfect in the sun. One thing, I got a lot of weaknesses. I never said to myself, I wish I had sunglasses, ever. I guess they're just the right color. Okay. Like a hazelish. What do you wish you were better at? Everything. Come on. Yeah, I mean, wish I, had, I was faster, more swift of foot. Mm. Have you ever done the weather before? I think I've done the weather as a lark, but not like where people were counting on me. Okay. You know, like where people count on you every day. Most of the time they don't count on me, <laughs> just when it counts. Right. When they're like, I want to find out where that hurricane's coming from. Important. No one wants me. And if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Um, trying to do what I did now. I think, uh, I'm trying to think, it was not Luke Bryant, but who's um, Luke Combs. Okay. He had this song. Well, I would. Would I be? Uh, people ask me what I'd be. What would I be doing if I wasn't doing this? I'd be doing this. Ah. So what he's trying to say is, in that song, he's arrived. Clearly, he's a superstar. Yeah. But he said, even if I haven't arrived, I'd be doing this. Yeah. So I'd be doing it in small, whether it was News Twelve or News Twelve micro broadcasting. Yeah. That's a word. Doesn't matter. Right. That's what I'd be doing. This. Okay. Favorite TV show. Ever. Yes. I think it's a it's a probably all time great. It doesn't hold up. I don't think is Happy Days. Growing up, best memories of I think the funniest is Taxi and Cheers, yeah. Dead Heat. Um, I like Seinfeld and the all time great. And the first time I watched it, it didn't hold up was this Christmas was the Odd Couple. Oh, I watched it and go wow, like the old Odd Couple with Oscar Madison and Felix as Tony Randall. Yeah, yeah. The thing would would killed me. So I'm, we're doing this show for about a year, and Tony Randall's a guest, and Tony Randall was a great guest before he died, obviously. Yeah. He had a kid at like 75 years old. Wow. Right? So Couldn't he, pick him up. Probably not. So we did an Odd Couple quiz. He had no idea, <laughs> no idea about anything. He's like, how do you even know that? I'm like, because it's on television all the time. He goes, I don't really, I never really watched it after I did it. Was this on TV? Yeah. Oh my god. We life. did a quiz. He had no idea oh, about anything. But that's great television. Right. We should look that up. That would be great. Yes. Yes, moments like that. Do you remember like in your mind where you're like, oh, this is great TV, but this person clearly doesn't think that? Right. Um I remember I did Rock'em Sock'em Robot with George Foreman. Yeah. And I realized how great he was on camera because he knew there was a problem with neither of us could knock each other out. <laughs> and I saw him adjust to Rock'em Sock'em Robots. You were boxing? On Rock'em Sock'em Roll. Oh, like the game. 1970s game. Oh. We also did racing with uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. Yeah, yeah. We did that outside, you know, the little push button thing yeah. where you race around the track. That's fun. Yeah, that was fun because it gets people out of their element. But you don't go on the rodeo horse. 
Oh, you did one time. Do you do that? I did. I can't remember. Right. Uh, one time I paid off the guy to go easy on me and make <laughs> me outlast everyone. Yeah. 25 bucks. It was the best money. It was the best thing I ever did. Um, Outside getting married, then this is probably second. Very nice. Uh, and having children, okay, make it third. But I did for the longest time. I, they were like, Brian was, uh, yeah, he was on for like 14 minutes. Yeah. Favorite, they did not know I paid the guy. One more. Favorite band? Hmm. I would say the police. Wow. And now today, Florida, George Line, who seemed to be breaking up. Well, you have to tell me that real quick about how they're your favorite band, because you know them well, and they know you. Right. But now I've, I've had to pick a side because they're breaking up. And Are I'm they just, really breaking up? Yeah, I think they're breaking up. And uh, it looks like they're going their solo ways. Okay. One guy's gone really Hollywood, and the other guy is Brian Kelly. He's the taller one, Florida State. Okay. So I remember saying to myself, the band's got like five number ones in a row, two albums or albums of the year, and I'm going to do an event, and I'm speaking at an event, and it's right after the Super Bowl, and I'm 90 minutes late. And I got in and they just said, Brian, I'm sorry that they're all waiting for you to sign in the VIP series. I signed. And then this guy comes up to me after, and he goes, I got to tell you something after. He goes, thanks for being so nice to my uh, to my son's restaurant. I'm like, okay, he's probably from New York. <laughs> and finally, I see him a little bit later. I go, I'm sorry, sir, what's your son's restaurant? He goes, uh, it's FGL House in uh, Nashville. And I go, is he the manager? He goes, no, he's the owner. <laughs> so your son is who? He goes, uh, Brian Kelly, BK with uh, Florida Georgia. I go, uh-huh. That's your son? I'm like, you're burying the lead a little bit? You're worried about your son's restaurant? Are you crazy? I'm like, he goes, yeah. He goes, he ended up doing music, but he was on a Division One scholarship, Florida State in baseball, and then he blew out his knee. I'm like, okay, can we focus on the positive? Your son's had like seven straight. One. He goes, well, it's all right. You know, you don't know how long these things are going to last. And he goes, yeah, he watched you all the time. So I ended up breaking through in that way. I just thought it was kind of funny. Oh, I love it. Well, you know what? The I think the big thing that we learn in this business is you, you got to be nice to everybody because you don't know when it's going to come back to you. Exactly. Right? Right. You, you don't want to be, you want to be sincere. Yes. Well, by, by the way, how many interns at Fox end up being executive producers? A lot of them. Very much so. Yeah. Because See? we'd like people that stay in the system. And I have to say, out of all the people in the building, uh, people are pretty much in agreement that you are the real deal, that you're a really nice human being. And one thing that maybe your listeners don't know is that you're also a very generous person who appreciates his staff. And, uh, and people should know that about you. You're not just like the guy that comes in and does the show. You appreciate everyone around you and everyone that works with you. Well, thank you very much, Janice. And that's why you made the Dean's List. And do I get my trophy? You do. It's but this, I got to give it back. You Well, it's... <laughs> it's the Stanley Cup. It is the Stanley Cup. And, and because this is a brand new show, you'll get the first one. And then once I get many more of them, I'll give you an official one. Right. Uh, when you can afford it. Because right. That means we got to get you a sponsor. We do. Yes. Right. Well, that's another reason why I want to interview you is because you can help me with that kind of stuff. You help you with sponsors. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to get you a percentage of it. Can you call some people? Right. I, I have this unique deal where I get a lot of, ton of sponsors. And I get no money. So if you want to work out that deal, Fox will embrace that. Oh, no. Fox Why is have... already working that model very effectively. But they've told me all this. They promised me all these things. They said, go talk to him. He knows. Right. Yeah. He, I, I know that I, once you start, they know that we would do this for free. <laughs> and that's where we screw ourselves. See, you always make me laugh. Thanks for putting me on the Dean's List. Thank you, Brian Kilby. Can I go on? Can You're I leave the best. Now? I can leave now? You can. Stay within yourself. Have your bright. Oh, wait. Say it again. Stay within yourself. Thank you. Wasn't that a great interview for the very first episode of my podcast? 
I loved listening to Brian's story, and that's what I want to do. I want to take you behind the scenes to find out more about the personalities you absolutely love here on Fox. Brian was actually one of the first people to tell me I needed to do more with the Dean's List and encouraged me to do a podcast. So I feel really fortunate that he was my first interview of a Fox personality on the Janice Dean podcast. If you loved it as well, let me know. Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.